leading into my Super Bowl champion, I think the Steelers are going to take it all. False. Welcome to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast. Welcome in for another Yak Sports podcast, and we are taping immediately following the Virginia Tech football game, so you're going to get some instant analysis from Joe and I. Uh, Joe is Joe Deck, who is on with me every single week. Joe, we're both wearing Virginia Tech shirts, and we both have uh, frowns on our faces. What's your immediate response to what we just watched? Yeah, this is an interesting thing that we're trying. Um, we may do it again in the future. Uh, yeah. This may be the last podcast we do, because this is <laughs> this is a fresh wound. So, um, yeah, no, it's it stinks. Um, man, that pass at the end of the game is just when you can't throw. It's double coverage. There's too much time on the clock, and you Off have two timeouts. Off the back foot. He did everything wrong on that play. And look, I get it. It's it's frustrating. He's probably going to be your starting quarterback next year, too. Um, so whatever. Um, he's trying to make a play, but it's just the wrong instance and the wrong play to make there. To he me, is, but he's also trying to make the same play he made three plays before that got picked off and luckily was passing. Yeah, the yeah, they no, got I agree. When it was off the back foot into traffic, trying to drop it into where there's coverage. Still, you got you if you're going to drop in a pass, you got to drop it in deeper than the coverage or well in front of the coverage, not at the line of safeties every single time you do it. No, uh, you're right, Leland. And to me, it goes back to the drive before for Virginia Tech, or I guess it was two drives before. I don't know, but the one where they got the interception and then at, at, to the 10-yard line, basically, and couldn't score. Uh, terrible it's, possession. Yeah. It's terrible. you got to score a touchdown there. I, I don't mind going for it on fourth and one. I don't yeah, know how you feel up, about that, I'll, but just run it. We were it. playing to win. We were playing to win. I like going it. for it on fourth down. It's fourth and one. You've ran the ball pretty successful most of the day. Just run it. Why, why do you have to do it all season? And that's what I've said on this podcast earlier this season. We get in these fourth down situations and we're not a tough enough football team to just run it down someone's throat, to have the confidence that our offensive line can get enough push for our running back to get one yard. And if that's just not Virginia Tech football that I'm used to, to watching. Um, so it's nice that we have this coach in here that's supposed to bring this offense and this, you know, quicker offense and more stuff. We haven't really seen that, but I would I, I want to pair that with of offensive line that we have enough faith to get one yard out of. And so I like going for the foot down. I hate the play call. And I think I've said that five times this season. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think it was the wrong play call. And the worst part of it all is really it's a loss. Um, I, they kept putting that stat up 26 consecutive winning seasons. I don't that felt wrong to me. I felt like some of those years we were six and six, we lost the bowl game and I might be wrong. They, they put it up there multiple times. So I hope the person checking you probably the stats are wrong if they're doing that. Yeah. But man, I, that, that surprised me. I knew it was the 26 consecutive bowl game. And most of those years in that run, or maybe not most, but a lot of those years were 10 win seasons as well. So, you know, maybe it's possible, but I, I just felt like some of those six and six years, we lost the bowl game, but uh, obviously I'm wrong until this year. And then we lose, but I mean, we're a long way from those 10 win seasons when we were spoiled as can be, but yeah, I'm seeing seven and six, uh, there, any, any of those bad seasons from 2012 to till, till now, okay. seven and six was the worst. So, okay. Uh, well, then that's probably true then 97, seven and five. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a while. So, you know, it's kind of the best of both worlds. If we're going to suck, at least we still made a bowl game, but maybe the losing record will still like forge some changes 
And that's going to tie to a mindset that I had a discussion about with uh, the Steelers that, you know, maybe being just bad enough to force some changes is a good thing. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think we're going to change our offensive coordinator like we were talking about pre-Thanksgiving, but maybe just enough fire underneath everybody's butts and then also come into the season with enough pressure next year that we got to make things happen. And so um, the clock maybe start ticking kind of situation thing. But let's be real. What's changing? I I don't think anything's going to change at Blacksburg. I I don't think your quarterback is going to change. I think you're going to have Ryan Willis. I think we've got to have Quincy. Quincy's got to have a fair shot. And whoever else stays, whoever else stays, and, and it better be Quincy, needs to be given a fair opportunity in the spring to win that job. I don't think that's going to happen. I would agree with you. I want Quincy Patterson to be the starting quarterback, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to go with Ryan Willis because he's what we know. And Justin Fuente wants continuity at that position because uh, talent be damned. And have it for the next three years. Yeah, yeah, talent be damned. I don't know. But and here's the problem. <laughs> I Again, I, I touched on this before, but. I know our defense is young, but man, those touchdown runs were just bad tackling. And Not that tackling is, is terrible. That is, I don't care if you're a true freshman, you need to be able to tackle, and we couldn't do it. Uh, it was just too many plays, including the game winning touchdown, where he's just dragging the defensive lineman, hits him at the line of scrimmage, and just falls off like he's a tackling yeah. dummy. I mean, it was offensive. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was terrible. It was so noticeable. You know, it was getting called out in, in the group I was talking with mostly during the game. Because you and I don't talk to each other on purpose for recording this, but uh, yeah, despite we, me texting you, you just didn't reply. I was smart. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> need to stay a little fresher for this conversation. But the group I was texting with was like, "Can we just tack- tackle a quarterback?" And I was like, "Can we just tackle anybody that has the football at any given moment?" Because we don't. And I have defended our young defense all season. Tackling isn't an age thing. Like tackling is something that has to happen. That's a skill. Yeah. Before you get to Virginia Tech, that you need to be able to tackle a, an offensive player with the football. So it is very tough to watch multiple guys in one play really fail at such a sim- simple principle of football. But yeah, that was ridiculous. Early on, we fell in love with stripping the football. We weren't benefiting from any of that because they kept falling back on it. But then there was a kind of a time period where it seemed like we were still trying to strip it, but not making the tackle and not getting the strip. Then at the end, it wasn't even that we were trying to strip it anymore. It was just that we were we wanted to go for rides. You know, it was piggyback time. Yeah, it was it was bad football. Uh, the defense wasn't very good this year. Um, I'm willing to give Bud a pass on that because he's been so good the other years. Um, that being said, you say that now when in the middle of the season I was saying that point, and you're like, no, 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 we still got to do. I, I appreciate end of season Joe has a little bit of sense. That's yeah. Good. End of season Joe is more <laughs> big picture. Um, but yeah, I do think I, I do Fire think, them all before next week. Come on. Um, <laughs> I will say this though, in, in terms of I'm okay with, you know, giving Bud a pass this year, I will t- I would have a sit down conversation with Bud Foster saying, Hey, if our defensive backs keep getting beat over the top, maybe we put a safety over there. <laughs> yeah, just also, also, I don't yeah. understand why we're not blitzing. They they say it's because our young secondary, our young secondary gets picked apart if we don't blitz. So why not blitz? Maybe we sack him. Why? Well, yeah, I, I just don't back. get the game plan sometimes. Yeah, I I got yeah. news for you. If that starting quarterback hadn't gotten hurt, we would have gotten absolutely housed. This game would have been over at halftime. They were moving the ball at will, and then we hurt their quarterback, and it was a different ball game. Yeah, we still scored enough. Mm-mm. I don't know if we get housed, but maybe it's not as close down the stretch. Um, 
I, I don't know. I don't know about that that statement. I I think we would have I, had to abandon the run. I, I was afraid this game could have gone a lot different. I think the bear from college game day said this was going to be an absolute blowout. And maybe your point of if a starting quarterback stays in, maybe there's something there. But I was glad we didn't come out here and look terrible. I'm glad it was a good ball game. Um, I'm disappointed with the loss. But it, to me, it's not the end of the world. Like I said, I hope it just indicates – we need to have like some mindset changes, maybe, you know, maybe even defensively, like you're saying, involve a safety more often, you know, like <laughs> some of those things need to be looked at a little bit harder. And I want to see a lot of just, I just want to feel a lot of change in the spring. I don't want to just feel the same old thing from every other spring. I want to like, Hey, we're kind of taking this different approach or we're, we're giving these guys a chance or, Hey, our start. We're going to name a starting quarterback at the end of spring. That's what I would love. And honestly, if even if it's not a guy that I want, even if it's not Quincy or someone else, I just want them to go into August with a starting quarterback because this naming a starting quarterback August thirty first isn't my favorite thing that we do, and it's a Justin <laughs> Quincy staple. And I, I would like agree. to just go into into fall practice. August practice with a starting quarterback named. And I, I, most programs do that. You know, we're not Nick's, we're not Nick Saban where we have two quarterbacks that can win an sec championship and take you to a national championship. We, we don't, we I don't think have, we have some talent. We have some <laughs> talent there. We just don't have that kind of talent. So figure out who it is sooner and do your job sooner and evaluate sooner. So then that they can get starting reps for an entire preseason. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you the reason he's not going to do that is because he doesn't want to lose him. And that's what's going to happen if he does that. Quincy Patterson will be gone if at the end of spring ball, he is not the starting quarterback. So I think in an attempt to keep him Considering around. Considering he's the one I want him to be. Yeah, this is what I'm telling you. I don't think Justin Fuente is going to name him the starting quarterback. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he does. I think that would be the best thing for Virginia Tech football, but I don't think he's going to do that. So I, I think mean, it would be good for now and the future. Like I think that is the best move. Yeah, I, I, from what I've seen of him, I and, agree and with whether you, it's Leland. spring or moments and games. It's almost like too the kind of scheme we run would benefit him more than Ryan Willis. Not that Ryan Willis isn't. I know Ryan Willis had some rushing touchdowns. It's not that he can't do it. It's just that's not his. That's not his a game. Quincy Patterson is better at that than he is. He's just. A, the thing about Ryan Willis, and I know I've argued he's a game kind of manager. in his favor a lot of season, and he's puts up some good stats, but he he's he goes out there like he's Brett Favre, and he's not Brett Favre. And no. so, like, there's good moments, but, like, it's not Hall of Fame moments like Brett Favre had. So, like, it's just it's just not good enough. So I, I just really – my number one thing is seeing a good – a true quarterback competition with a, a winner of that competition named in April. He's That's a my good- – Number one. Yeah, he's a good backup. I wouldn't want him to be my everyday quarterback. Yeah. But all right. Let's move on to some other college games while we're still in the college scheme here, Leland. We'll talk about the Cavaliers for a few minutes here. They had a nice bowl game. They did well. They represented the ACC. They knocked down an SEC team that had me looking up who the heck lost to South Carolina. And there's some there's some names on that list. So like. UVA came out and played well. They obviously prepared very well through the through December. And so credit to them for coming out prepared and giving their fan base really something to be happy about going into spring ball, which is something they've really lacked for years. I mean, that's the first bowl game they've won since 2005. So as much as we trash them, as much as we're quick to point out their faults, you got to say they they did as 
from where they sat at the beginning of December, they did as good as possible. They did the best that they could do. 28 to nothing. It was a completely different defense than that Virginia Tech game, and their offense actually looked pretty good. So good for them. They got the win against South Carolina, which isn't a chump. And like you said, it was a big win for them and a big win for their program. And they're it's it's a good building block for their program. Uh, hopefully they're not able to capitalize on it and they fall back <laughs> yeah, into obscurity. Against it, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if you're a UVA fan, a lot to be happy about this weekend. Um, yeah. And, and, and moving forward and like offensively, it looks like they still have a lot of pieces that are going to be around, uh, including the quarterback. That's very exciting to watch defensively. They're going to take a bigger shot mm-hmm. in this off season with losing some guys, but that is the college game. So now it's Broncos players that are coming into those spots. You know, a lot of these guys that are seniors weren't Broncos. So now we're going to see Broncos guys in that defensive spot and, and we'll, we'll see what they can do. Yeah. We'll Root against it. hundred percent rooting against it. Absolutely. But I mean, they should feel good about themselves. It's nothing really much to argue about. Now I don't want to sit here and argue who won their bowl game and who didn't that, that conversation stupid. We beat them a month ago. They had, they should have won that game, oh, yeah. but Moving forward, they have a lot to be happy about, and they should. And and hopefully next year we have a good battle with UVA, and it's both teams are half decent instead of this year where both teams are terrible. Uh, hopefully we blow them out. And hopefully blow them out. That's a good point too. All right, other big bowl games. My recommendation to watch was Florida, Michigan. Florida just Oops. took away with it. Michigan looked like nothing. Michigan looked bad. Yeah, and they did. Like Jim Harbaugh maybe doesn't know what he's doing there. Bad. I just my feeling from that was kind of like when. Alabama lost in the Sugar Bowl. It was probably like six years ago now. And what Auburn did last year against UCF. Like, I think they were disinterested because they weren't involved in the big thing. And I'm not making that an excuse. I'm just He's saying not... I think that's what happened. You got your your coach has got to make sure that doesn't happen. You got to have enough pride. This is the system they play in. Only four teams are making it into the playoff. You gotta be you gotta go out there and win and give your, you know, a step forward and get better and uh, you know, uh, use the bowl game to your advantage. Michigan did the opposite. They they really have big questions in a lot of spots in Michigan, and it's all because of that bowl game. And and uh, six weeks ago, you looked like they could be a playoff team. Harbaugh's not good in bowl games, period, and he's not, not good, good big in games. big games. Yeah. He lost the Notre Dame game. He's terrible against Michigan rivals. I think he only has two wins, and one of those came this year against a bad Michigan State team. Yep. Um, he's just not very good in big games for Michigan. And I think that's a bigger problem. I would agree with you. Maybe they were disappointed after losing to Ohio state last week and they just couldn't get up for this game, but it's a theme. So I think it's a Jim Harbaugh can't win big games theme. He beats up on the Rutgers and the Maryland's and the Penn States and that's fine. But this was not a good game for Michigan. Florida is not, I, I, despite Florida being a top 10 team, I still don't think they're that good where they should be beating another top 10 team 41 to 15 yeah I, it, michigan's I not a top 10 team period yeah and they're, i mean they're just driving home like the sec is so much better than everybody else and i but think yeah, that's I don't unfair think the big to take away from good. that bowl game i don't think the big 10 is good this year ohio yeah. state is their champion and i watched ohio state play a lot of games where i thought they benefited from some breaks some big breaks. I think it's hard. I think it often happens because it's the last games you see going into an off season and the narrative for the off season gets written by what happens in bowl season. And if that's the case, then the ACC looks good and, and well, the, the SEC looks good. down they, and that's bull crap. The SEC yeah. is a better football conference. It's obvious. There's no arguing about it. So it's just tough. But I think that's what we're going to hear a, a somewhat of here in this off season. And then it'll get proven back true the first weekend of September next year when the SEC slams every ACC team they play. 
we'll see. I want to see who's playing who before I say something. Yeah, like I don't. That, I don't know who. I mean, Alabama's going to slam somebody, but I don't know. Past Alabama's that. not going to play anybody any good either, though. Well, their regular season games typically are not good out of conference. Their regular season out of conference games are typically not exciting. Yeah, but like having Louisville on the schedule this year was not like a pushover before they lose their quarterback to the NFL. It, they're they're playing F at Florida State last year wasn't a pushover game. Every year that they played Those Virginia two teams Tech, didn't make bowl games. Louisville this year and Florida State last year weren't bowl teams. That's not a good game. Florida State played in a bowl game last year. Are you sure? You and you schedule like a decade. Oh yeah, now, they this did. This is the first year Florida State haven't made, hasn't made one, so I am sure yeah. about that. But I'm saying. When you put names like that, like you're putting teams. No, but that what I'm were saying like, is, like, that's not an exciting matchup. That's not a good game. I just Alabama will slam whoever. I guess that's not the debatable part of who they're playing. Might might be. I thought it was someone decent. Um, it's actually Duke, and Duke isn't the best name. But in past seasons, I think Alabama has had decent named teams at the front of their schedule. Whether it worked out that Louisville all of a sudden dove off a cliff is one thing, but most years I don't have a problem with Alabama's early season scheduling. It's just, they go into it and dominate it every year too. Yeah, that's fine. Um, college football playoff. Wow. Notre Dame join a conference or be banned from the college football playoff slash new year six for the rest of time. You do not belong. Every time Notre Dame gets into one of these games, they get absolutely dismantled, which by the yeah, way, they're like Oh, and six now. Yeah. Let's look at Notre they're... Dame's schedule. Their best win was Michigan who, by the way, got, proven they were a fraud notre dame is not good they did not play any good teams virginia tech hung with them for three quarters and i'm sorry when you were down double digits to usc last week the playoff committee should have stepped in and said sorry georgia's getting to go now and you're going to be out because you're not good i mean georgia definitely georgia should should go into the boardroom and burn it to the ground because (laughs) this this playoff was offensive oklahoma wasn't good um, maybe they get in anyway, because you do have to pick a fourth team, but, um, Notre Dame definitely didn't belong. I, Georgia has a lot to say. They're the team that would get in if not. And I think, I think they're going to come out and try to prove that, you know, like where well, other teams feel to disappointed to Texas. be left out. Yeah. They're going to come out and make Texas pay in the sugar bowl is really what I predict happening there. But I do feel like in the general sense, these, this 14 playoff came out. There was some immediate response. I just missed anybody standing on their head saying this was a ridiculous outrage. I think this is a lot of rear view mirror talk from two blowouts. Two blowouts that Vegas saw coming because these lines were over yeah. 10 points each. But I just didn't hear this outcry that Georgia was being hosed this bad until after everything oh, happened. I said it. I said it immediately. You didn't stand in your head about it either. I did. I said this is wrong. I said Oklahoma and Notre Dame are both worse than Georgia. I, I and Clemson might be worse than Georgia. I when I back then I remember saying I thought Notre Dame would be the weak is the weakest team of those, but an undefeated Notre Dame is going to get in and their schedule at the time we didn't, you know, we weren't saying anything bad about Michigan a week ago and so mm. I don't know. If we want to go back and like listen to every minute of our podcast or every, you know, phone call that you and I have had, I I just I don't recall you or I going that crazy about this. And I listened to enough talk radio and, and podcasts that I just wasn't this outcry that from like other years, I remember hearing like 
where where people thought they got left out. I thought this year was mild, maybe not zero, but mild. So I I think it's really easy to rearview mirror, and I also think it's pointless. I think it's pointless to rearview mirror this because it's obvious who the two best teams were. They got that right, and if any year if any year that we've had since since then since the new college football playoff, this is the one year where I think the top two was obvious. And and if you want to make the case for Georgia, then Georgia's got to win the SEC championship and then Bama's out. That was the opportunity for them to get in. And they could have handled it themselves. They played a heck of a game and lost. They're not, they're not going to consistently put two teams from the same conference in the national championship. I know they did it one year with LSU and Alabama, but they're just not going to make a habit of that. It's not good for the, for the system that, the SEC it just has two teams in it because I think you well, can putting make an undefeated arguments. Notre Dame team isn't good for the system either. Yeah, I'm not, dude. I'm not arguing for Notre Dame. I'm I'm with you on that. I have no disagreement there. I thought they were the worst of the four. I know they were ranked three, and I know I didn't stand on my head saying they should be ranked four. I liked the matchups that they produced. I thought Oklahoma was going to be able to, you know, in the end of the game, they started making things more happen. Now yeah. the game's over by that. I was going to say it when you fall behind twenty eight nothing, but. Yeah. I, Oklahoma, I thought, would put up a better fight throughout than they did. I liked that matchup just because they were good offensively, but I knew Bama was still going to win by multiple scores. And I just think this was the one year that we probably didn't even need four teams. We could have just said Clemson, Alabama, go play. Everybody else, get out, get the heck out the way. And Alabama and Clemson took care of that message themselves in the semifinals. So I'm glad you brought up Alabama-Clemson because this is another reason to expand the playoff to create more parity in college football. This is the fourth time Alabama and Clemson are playing for a national championship. We've had the playoff five years. Or not not necessarily a national championship, but this is the fourth time they've played in the playoff. And we've only had it five years. You need more programs. And the reason Clemson and Alabama keep getting the best recruits is because they're one of the top four teams. If you expand this thing... And again, I'll, I would settle for eight, but my ideal, like I said, was 16. And this would help the other conferences too, which is why they won't go to 16. But we're not going to get into that. Um, but when you limit it to four, you create a top-heavy system, even more top-heavy than it is now. My quick point about 16, I think one of my biggest arguments against 16 in my mind is probably not the best argument is that it's just not going to happen. So like in my mind, it's like, why would we go to this? I think it's overkill. It's too many... Too many games, especially this year, games. to decide who the two best team was. I think eight. I think eight this year might have been too much. I think this year it's just obvious who the best two teams were. But you were, shouldn't base it on one year. That's my problem. You shouldn't base it on so one year. And so then I don't think we should sit on UCF for for just UCF barely is two, two years, years for just barely two years. I think you got to let this thing ride uh, for a good whatever the current no, contract is, six eight God. years. Just do it. See what we got, and see if it needs to, and see if that's when the adjustment needs to happen. I don't think you need to wait, rush this. Change. Wait until Alabama and Clemson are basically two NFL teams, and everyone else is so far behind they if can't they possibly catch up. If they aren't already, then I don't know what they are. Well, if, but if that's, that's what I'm saying. A, if you just wait NFL on this current already. system, everyone else is going to get left behind. And until Nick Saban and Davo Sweeney die or retire, this is what's going to happen. Well, when when Saban goes, that's where Sweeney's going to. He's going over there. You say he's going that. To Bama. I don't know. He's going to Bama. Why? Because he's from Bama. It's his yeah, roots. That's cool. He he has built an Alabama of the ACC, and that's a much easier Alabama to maintain. And that's why he'll want what matters more, that SEC, his Bama, his hometown. He, he, wants, it, him, he wants his trophy beside Saban and beside uh, 
uh, Bear Bryant, and that's no. what he wants. That's what he's going. He, I think he'd rather have his own room. Um, let's look at some of these bowl games coming up on New Year's Day. I always, I let's go UCF. I know that's your game. It's the one you uh, recommend everybody watch. In my old age, I've become a Rose Bowl fan for no, no good reason. Like it's, it's a just bad game. pleasant. It's pleasant to watch. It's it looks good. It sounds good. That five o'clock on New Year's Day. It just every year I enjoy watching it. This is probably the least matchup that I'm excited about watching. Watch it be probably one of the best games. But most no years way. it produces a pretty good game. And I I just enjoy the Rose Bowl. I don't watch the parade, but I enjoy the Rose Bowl for some reason. This year, watch the parade. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm, I promise you that. I'm not. Gonna. Ohio State is going to beat the bejesus out of Washington because guess what? They're not a very good team because the I Pac-12. I see Ohio State being very distracted with what's going on right now. No, the Pac-12 is not even a Power Five conference anymore. They should be kicked out of the Power Five. There you go. Do Power Four. That, that's how we solve this all. Do a Power Four, and each one of the champions get in, and then we get out of here with, with no arguments. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's <laughs> not going to solve the problem. Sugar Bowl is Texas, Georgia. Georgia. I said. I said this probably when they announced these games, I thought Georgia was going to blow them out. And then I think even more so now after they sit there and watch those national semifinals, I think they're going to come out blazing. Yeah. Georgia big. All right. Anything. Uh, oh, was a topic I want to talk about in college football. They canceled a bowl game. I never remember that happening. I couldn't remember. Yeah. I could, I couldn't see anything where it said it's happened before. So I thought that was just super strange. It takes an ACC win. Boston College was obviously going to beat Boise State. So, you know, it takes a win out of the ACC's pocket. <laughs> and so no surf pro first responders ball. And and I, I just got to look at it from the fan point of view, having traveled to some bowl games. Man, you spend a lot of money on travel and tickets and vacate. you're using vacation time because that was before Christmas. And then they just cancel the game. It's just, that's a huge disappointment. Yeah, they did it because the first responders were needed elsewhere in severe weather in Texas. It was pretty bad. It was bad weather there in Dallas. They needed to cancel the game. That's okay. I know it sucks for everybody involved, but they made the right decision. I just surprised there wasn't some contingency plan. And maybe that's what this provides. Maybe having this happen once, now every bowl game will kind of look at, you know, okay, what do we do? And maybe this situation wasn't going to allow for it. But like, what do you do if you are facing severe weather that will eventually pass? I mean, it was gone within 12 hours. So I just wonder if they start setting in those kind of plans of these games. I know it happened once. You're not going to change everything. But contingency plans do. Like, I mean, to really take a negative turn, look at what some school shootings have caused. And now the whole school system's different on how they address security. So maybe yeah. like this one incident in a bowl game and one of 30, they will, you know, figure out like, okay, well, this is what we do in this condition. And so this maybe doesn't happen again. Maybe. I, I guess I wasn't bothered by it. It was unusual, but I could care less. As a fan going to the game, I think is, is about the biggest point you would have. I think yeah. sitting at home watching, not a big deal. But I just I just imagined myself, you know, going down to New Orleans to watch Virginia Tech play and all of a sudden it maybe New Orleans is a bad place to use as a reference, but you know, maybe some severe, some temporary severe weather. And then all of a sudden I get nothing out of it. I think I would be pretty upset about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I do want to bring up before we move on. I do want to move, uh, bring on, uh, Mark Richt retiring. That was kind of big news. That, that, was, a, a that was a surprise. Um, and then that, that makes Diaz me wonder coach. if something else is about to happen. Like we're about to get some breaking news. Like maybe there's a scandal. <laughs> maybe so. I don't know. I, that was such a mess of a bowl game for He's him. He's only but been there three years. Him and Fuente yeah. came in the same year. That's really surprising. Him, 
Fuente and Bronco Mendenhall all came in at the same really time. And he's the first one to go. That's that's probably surprising. No one his resume before he got there, coaching yeah. big time SEC, going to Miami. You'd expect that to work better than it has. And then for him to just bolt. Well, and then they, today they named Manny Diaz at halftime of the tech game. They named Manny Diaz as their head coach, who he was, was going to be the head for coach for minutes. Temple. I mean, they were, yeah, which cool beans. But he took a Temple job and then came right back. What does that say about Miami, though? Like your successor was going to be the head coach at Temple. Well, he was climbing the ladder. I, I compare it though. Boy, really what a quick climb. Jamie, uh, Jamie Johnson, Virginia Tech basketball. That's exactly left, what I thought. Went to Clemson, Man, and hopefully then all of a sudden he's like, like "Oh, I'm that. back," and then he was terrible. Hopefully so. it goes like that. That would be beautiful. Hey, that is true. I look at the ACC Coastal next year. New coach at Miami. New coach at UNC. Who Georgia is bringing Mac Brown? Is getting some recruits, but I have no faith in what Mac Brown can do. Agreed. New coach at Georgia Tech. You have UVA losing some seniors on defense, but you know maybe looking kind of strong there. Uh, Duke. Uh, they're losing all kinds of talent. They're losing like their yeah. whole offense. And Pitt. I mean, and Pitt. And Pitt's losing a lot of uh, seniors, including Mike Herndon, who we're watching right now. Uh, but Great. what I'm saying is it sets up well for Virginia Tech. If they're going to rebound, it should be a, a, a little golden of a road for them to go down with less. The Coastal is not going to get much better next year. Coastal looked terrible this year, and it only looks weaker next year. So it, it sets up well Need for someone it. like you or me that's hoping Virginia Tech can really rebound Need and look better. It. Yeah, I agree. Let's let's move on to uh, – I, I think you have college basketball on here next. Let's talk yeah, about college hoops real quick. Just quick, it's kind of a transition point. Um, Virginia Tech won the other night against Maryland Eastern Shore, wrapping up their out-of-conference schedule. You know, they've kept a lot of teams down in scoring, and, and I think you were ahead of me on this, and I and it – I don't know if we mentioned on the podcast, but weeks ago you said, man, Virginia Tech's really going to give UVA problems. I think you're very much right. And I, I didn't disagree with you at the time. I would I like hearing that. But watching them, looking back at some stats since then, they're playing a similar type of defense <laughs> of uh, productivity as UVA, but they're scoring the ball. So I they re- and they're shooting the three ball really well, which UVA is going to give you first. So mm-hmm. We are designed to probably give UVA a very tough time. Now, when we go play Duke and anybody with size, which isn't a lot of teams in the ACC, we're going to have some problems, yeah, and yeah. it might look a little worse. But I think, you know, UVA, we should go into those games with a lot of confidence. I agree. This is a top-four team in the ACC, in my opinion, in Virginia Tech, which is good news. Um, speaking of UVA, they did hang 100 on Marshall today, 164 final, so they did score was in that it- game. I was interested in that game. Darius George out there playing for Marshall. Um, it was good to see him playing. I, I actually clicked over there just for a second just to see Darius on the court uh, is all I wanted to see. So UVA, big win over Marshall, but they're in two different classes right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, but they're undefeated. They're a number four team in the nation, and they're looking for a one seed, and, and they should. That should be their goal. They've had it before, so they should have it again. So – um, Michigan state or excuse me, Florida state is who they open up with in ACC it's a big on game. the fifth. And that is a big game. Florida state's a ranked team. And then Virginia tech opens up with Notre Dame. That's tomorrow at 1 PM. So, um, our Virginia basketball teams are doing very good. Virginia, the state of Virginia has two teams in the top 10. And so does Michigan. North Carolina only has one. I, I don't that's know how many cool. times something like that's happened where for the state of Virginia has had two top 10 teams and the state of North Carolina has only had one. Very different. Very good for the state of Virginia. And I think it's important that Virginia Tech gets off to a hot start and wins the ACC opener against Notre Dame. I think it's crucial. Yeah. 
and Notre Dame's not as strong as they have been. But uh, yeah, it's a it, it's it's a opportunity for an embarrassing loss. Here's the or thing. a meaningless win. It's it's a no win situation. Yeah, really. as as positive as I've been about Virginia Tech, and I do like this team. This team is playing really well, and they're number ten in the country. I still am a little weary about even saying they're a top ten team in the country, but they are. And then I, I just I don't know. I've I'm almost nervous every time Virginia Tech gets ready to play a, a conference game because I'm just like, are we really this good? Is this are we really taking the next step? Is that what's happening now? Um, You've watched us. I think we are. I, I think know. We, I, I do. We I think good. we are. But I, I just it's always like that cautious first step every time the cautious next step every time. I'm like, OK, is there a hole here I'm going to fall through or what's about to happen? the here? difference of being a football fan and a basketball oh, yeah. football, fan. I'm Tech expecting football, to it's go like blind optimism. Like I live in, I fall through the hole every time during football yeah. and basketball. I am like, I've got a minesweeper out in front of me so I don't step <laughs> on a landmine somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's the nature of being a Virginia tech sports fan. Cause it's a football school. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it is, it, it always will be, we could win the national t- championship in basketball this year and we will still next year. I'm going to be like, yeah, but can we do it again? Like, can we yeah, even get in the tournament <laughs> next year in November? We will still ignore basketball and only focus on football. If we're any kind so of good. True. So it's, we're a football school through and through. We know that, but I will enjoy all the basketball success we can get. I mean, I, I, when I was at Virginia Tech, I went to every single home game I could. Multiple years during Christmas break, I would go back down there for at least one of the games over Christmas just to do my part. Um, so I'm a very big Virginia Tech fan in basketball. So I'm very excited about what we have going. All right, Leland, let's move it to the NFL. An exciting conclusion to the NFL last Sunday. I never doubted for a second, even as Baker Mayfield <laughs> was driving in what looked like a season-ending drive for my Ravens. I knew the Ravens' defense was going to prevail like they always do. They never let me down. Is that that gif you sent me with the dog sitting in the middle of the fire where everything's fine? That, yeah, that's that was that me was. literally saying everything is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, what a, what a great win there uh, for the Ravens was- to get that win. Highly entertaining. I, th- I was watching it, uh, cheering on the Browns, which was weird. And uh, and then them sh- keep showing the Steelers stadium that was still there. That was disgusting. I found that so offensive. I thought it was cool that, like, it was uh, like everybody's attention's there. And, like, here we'll show you everybody's attention's there. If I were the Ravens fan, I would be, like, happy to see the heartbreak in Pittsburgh. They didn't and see show that reactions. enough. They, they did not show a whole lot of the heartbreak. They just showed him start walking off. But uh, you could have had a video camera on me and seen a little bit of heartbreak. I I mean, I really went to the Oakland loss and the Denver loss. I think those were on back-to-back weeks. And I was going like, to say, take I, your pick. 7-2-1 and one and missing the playoffs. I don't know how Mike Tomlin hasn't been named on Massacre Monday or whatever they call this thing. It, it shouldn't have been that close. And so it was, so we didn't deserve to win. Even when we were losing to the Bengals, I was like, if we can't beat the Bengals, then obviously. Oh, man, I was loving life. I even sent you the SpongeBob smiling gif. Yeah. (laughs) It was interesting. And as it was pointed out at the beginning of the show, I had predicted the Steelers do some big things this season. So they don't. They're done. Um, And as me and uh, show uh, 
helper outer, I guess he gets a elevated status just from listener because he sends a lot of texts to me talking trash on you. But Rob was saying, or as you call him, Ron, uh, he was saying how he he didn't want to make the playoffs because he knew we would just probably lose in the first round. So we could just go ahead and be outside of the playoffs. And so to force changes to be made. And that was a point that I made with Virginia Tech. And I think it it might might be the case for the Steelers. that It will be a little eye opener and um, make everybody a little bit more hungry and force some changes. And uh, I'm okay with that. As a team who hasn't been to the playoffs in three years, man, it felt good. Even if we get waxed by the Chargers, it's Which is still like, going to feel good. I don't know if we'll get you waxed. Just, you just beat them a couple we weeks did. ago. It's hard to beat a team twice. I think we'll probably lose. It'll be close, but I think we probably lose this one. Um, but that being said, it's still so satisfying to be in the playoffs and win that division. because. And you know what? I'll admit it. I was wrong. Lamar Jackson, I, I still don't think Lamar Jackson is going to have a long, successful NFL career. But Lamar Jackson is the reason we're in the playoffs this year. I don't think Joe Flacco could have gotten us to the playoffs this year. I'll say it. That's a big swing from where you started with them. So, um, yeah, I mean, he he did a lot. Of, he's looked better in that chart. Well, no, the Chargers win. But, like, he's looked a little bit better. The Chargers the win was good. But, yeah, the yeah, rest of the games okay. he has I not looked great. I not remember if that was the right game. The rest of the games he has actually not looked very good, uh, Cleveland game included. But um, he's done enough. He's done enough. I guess I, I guess I see the enough when I watch mm-hmm. the parts of that game that I was watching. So that's good. Looking back at our AFC predictions, we were pretty good. We at were the pretty AFC. good in the AFC. Like, uh, you know, you had the Ravens in the playoffs, not winning the division, but winning the play in the playoffs. So that's good. Um, we both missed on the Steelers winning the division. So that's kind of fair enough. I had thrown the Browns in with a big, with a big justification of I know I'm just falling in love with what I saw on Hard Knocks. A big improvement. In the Seven very least, big. a big improvement. But and you know even what? In a season where they fire their coach and then got better, a big improvement. Brown's going to brown. Your Browns interim head coach brown. took you on a great run, and you're going to respond by hiring the Dolphins coach, who, by the way, has done nothing but fail My on a favorite grand scale. Tweet, my favorite tweet of yesterday or anything that I saw, including the ones you sent me, was the the guy that was like, oh, that's what it feels like to be a Browns fan. Like he was a it was Pittsburgh dad. And he's yeah. like, oh, that's what it feels like to be a Browns fan. I was like, that's just right on. That's perfect. So they uh they hurt the Steelers, but the rest of the AFC looks pretty good. I liked my Colts pick. I had faith that they yeah, were gonna wow. rebound this year. And uh you really talked down on that, I remember. So I did. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't think Andrew Luck was, was for real. There was one place where I was right and you were wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't think Andrew Luck was for real. You were wrong on the Browns. Um yeah. but yeah. And the Chargers, the Chargers are the number one I did one not see seed, the Chargers. Or, or not yeah. number one seed, but they're the same record as the number one seed. Yeah, they um, had a shot for it. We really all missed good. on that. We didn't see that coming. I honestly, moving forward here, and we'll talk about the playoff I, matchups I here. I think that's my Super Bowl team from the I, AFC. I think I'm rooting for the Chargers. I'm kind of rooting for Phillip Rivers. To I'm not going to root for him, but that's well, where I think it's going to go. <laughs> I pull for him. I don't know. Rooting might not be the right word, but, you know, I'd rather that happen than the rest of it in the AFC kind of thing. And I think that's kind of how I'm going to look at it. Let me say this, Leland. Anybody but the Patriots sounds good to me. Let me say this. I think the winner of that game in Baltimore has a great chance to go to the Super Bowl. I am not as down on the Chiefs as everybody's become. The Chiefs don't play defense. I I would love another chance at the Chiefs. But I still think they can outscore you. I would love another chance at the Chiefs. I don't think they outscore us again. I I still think, in general, they can outscore a team. So I'm not – I don't – I'm not that against the chiefs. Uh, I have a friend that's a chiefs fan and I I've been saying, Hey, he has a good thing going. So it's something to build on, but yeah, I think the chargers are the kind of the team that I'm going to side with the rest of the way, uh, especially out of the AFC over the NFC. Before we go pretty rough. (laughs) Yeah, no, we were terrible at predicting the NFC, but I I also, before we 
let go of the AFC completely here. I do want to say good decision that we did not do a live recording immediately after the Browns Ravens game. Some things were said that do not need to be shared. But I was in my in-laws living room and yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't pleasant. It would have been opposite ends of the (laughs) spectrum, which would have been opposite for our fans. But yeah, I would have been really positive and you would have been really negative, which would have been. Yeah. But I have not been super positive on the Steelers all year. And I've been conceding uh, that they weren't as good as that. I originally hoped from, from week four on. Now we did get, I got two playoff teams, right? I just, put the Eagles as the division champion and they were actually a wild yeah, card. Yeah, we, we both did that. Um, you ended up getting the Saints and Rams right. I did not see the Saints. the Saints in. No, yeah. I did have the Rams. Um, man, I was close. I feel I can't help but feel for Redskins fans because if Alex Smith hadn't gotten hurt, I think that's a playoff team. I think they win the division if he didn't get hurt. But, you know, that's football. Yeah, they their schedule was actually playing in their favor for that. I mean, they just got knocked out in week 17. So, uh, I mean... That was not a craziest pick as I thought it was. Neither of us get the Bears or Cowboys in the NFC. Um, both of us were higher on the Packers than anybody should have been, and the Vikings, really. Um, the thing, in, in general, your picks are going to be better than mine because you still have your Super Bowl teams and your Super Bowl champion, and I, I only have the Saints. I mean, you're going to end up – you have better picks than me overall, but uh, we'll probably – kind of make readjust our picks here here in a second um if you need to i need to i was gonna say Uh, i already have a little bit but yeah (laughs) i i already said i'm i think the chargers will go to the super bowl yeah so you're adjusting a little bit let's look at these playoff matchups uh first off in the afc the chiefs and the patriots get the bye the patriots have gotten a bye in the playoffs forever forever it's unbelievable that run and i mean it's they're good it's they're good it's the thing it's not even like I don't like them and there's a similarity. It's like because the Yankees were always good. I don't like the Yankees, but it's different than the Yankees. Like the Yankees just felt like they bought it all the time and they just brought it into the big bat and they get there and they'd have those three or four core guys that were there forever. But the Patriots just build and they take the guys that the other teams don't want and then make them good. And, and they are smarter than you week after week that it's like, you just have to respect what they've done. You can hate it like I do, but you do have to respect it. They, they do it other than when they're cheating the right way. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're good. And that's, there's a reason they've had so many buys and had home field advantage. So many of those yeah. years, um, I still, again, wildcard matchups, I would take the chargers. And then I think the other one is the Texans and the Colts. Oh, it's going to be a good game. I, I would say advantage Texans. But it's going to be a really good game. I think both wild card games in the AFC are going to be good games. I'm going to um, take the defense in that game, so I'll take the Texans. Yeah, I do too. And so, and I'll agree with you on the Chargers. So Texans and Chargers advance, and that would have the Chargers go to the Chiefs, mm-hmm. and then the Texans to the Patriots. So it, it kind of just sets up for the Patriots pretty well. I think it's going to be Chargers <laughs> Patriots, and I think the Chargers end up going to the Super Bowl. I think this is the year the Chargers. You think the Chargers go, go into New England and win? I do. Wow, that would be impressive. That would have been impressive. Uh, NFC. Uh, the Saints and the Rams have the uh, first round Who do you have in the by. AFC? Oh, who am I taking? I'm taking to the Chargers. I'm not, I'm, that's why I'm not saying much. I'm, I'm oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, in the NFC, the Saints and the Rams uh, have the bye. Bears and Eagles in the wild card game there. Uh, who you got? I got the Bears dismantling the Eagles. 
Yeah, I think the Bears, again, I think I'm taking defense. Uh, take the Bears there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the Bears will put up a good fight in the next round, too. Seahawks and Cowboys in a game that I will choose not to watch. <laughs> oh, I'll watch it. It's fine. Um, my brother's a Cowboys like fan. Bad news. I don't think this one's going to go well. I think the Seahawks are going to win. Do you think the Cowboys will fumble a – do you think Tony Romo will be pulled down on the field to hold a snap and uh, fumble it so that they don't advance again like the – This the isn't in Century Lake, though. Happened. This is going to be in, in uh, <laughs> Cowboys Stadium there in Arlington, the dream city, American dream city. Um, I think Seahawks go in there and win. I agree. I do too. But that gives us then uh, – that would be – Seahawks Saints. Seahawks Saints. I think I like the Seahawks. Wow. I'm not, I, and I said no, this and no, I'm going to take the saints, the Seahawks. I don't think the Seahawks can string together two road wins in a row. I said this three weeks ago when everybody was jumping off the saints and the chiefs and the Rams. And I said, I wasn't jumping off quite as quickly and I'm going to hold on to the saints. I think the saints will get it done. I think they'll do just enough defense. And then again, they're another team that can outscore you. I know, Defense wins championships, but I think we're getting further away from that with the NFL rules that protect the quarterback and everybody on the offense. So I think those offense there, I think the Saints are going to – I'm sticking with the Saints in the NFC, and I think it's going to end up being Saints-Chargers. Okay. Well, then we'll go ahead and look fast forward. I think it's going to be Bears-Chargers. That'd be cool. I don't think my Super Bowl team of the Rams are going to make it. Um I just think they're trending in the wrong direction right now, and I think the Bears are really, really good. I think they're trending in the right direction. I think the Bears win. Uh, I think the Bears win the Super Bowl. I think this is a Chicago year. That Bears-Rams game would be really interesting uh, mm-hmm. in the division final. And then, uh, um, yeah, I, that'd be interesting. I'm glad Bears. we're a little bit different. I'm glad you're coming off the Rams, and neither of us then are on them. So uh, that'll be interesting as we look through the playoffs. That being said, if the Rams win the Super Bowl, I'm going to say my preseason prediction was correct. And you'll be able to. That'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll still have the Saints in that argument. So uh, I'll still be down. So, all right, uh, let's get out of here and uh, let's talk about some JMU football with uh, Greg Medea. All right, we have Greg Medea on with us this week on Yak Sports Podcast. And, Greg, we've been trying to get you in and trying to fit you in, but with all the holidays and stuff, it's made it difficult. But JMU actually hired a football coach before 2019, which kind of surprised me, uh, Kurt Signetti. Uh, I told the, the listeners last week I don't have any strong opinions on him, uh, mainly because I just feel like I don't know enough about him. So help enlighten me a little bit. What is JMU getting in Signetti? Yeah, J- JMU moved pretty quickly, uh, all things considered when Mike Houston departed for East Carolina. And with, with Kurt Signetti, James Madison is getting an established head coach. I think that was the, the differentiator, uh, the separator, and kind of the interview and, and research process that James Madison and athletic director Jeff Bourne did. You think about some of the people they interviewed, and what stands out is Signetti's head coaching experience. You're talking about a guy who wanted Elon for, for two years, only there for two years, but won. Elon, a, a program that you guys are familiar with at this point from, from knowing JMU a bit, uh, that is really the CAA seller dweller, last place, basement, bottom feeder, whatever you want to call it. And Jay and, and Signetti turned them into winners in, in both their both their seasons there. You know, they went to the playoffs each of the past two years. So 
he is he is someone that's wanted a place that it isn't easy to win to. And you, the same could be said about uh, the previous seasons he spent, the previous six years he spent at Division II IUP, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Uh, that program was not in good shape. It was, uh, I think, eight years after his father had, had won and left that program, retired. And, uh, and, and he won there, too. He won at IUP, took them to three playoff appearances in six years. So you're looking at a guy who has the head coaching experience and then also has the track record at, at previous stops before he was a head coach uh, that, that really are, are strong assets. You think about his time with Nick Saban in Alabama. You think about his time at NC State. Uh, so he knows he knows a good number of people in the business. He's been around. He's worked for great head coaches, uh, was a former West Virginia University quarterback. So he, he has experience. He's been around. And, and I think most importantly, of all the people and, and of the people that, that Jeff Bourne went through during the interview process with, Signetti's head coaching experience stuck out. All right. So looking at where he's coached previously, I, the thing that really caught my eye was being a quarterback's coach to Phillip Rivers, being a coach to Ben Roethlisberger, some of the big names from his past that are, you know, making Hall of Fame quarter or Hall of Fame careers out of themselves. You know, talk about some of his experience with specific specific successes and, and results. Yeah, so at Alabama, he was the recruiting coordinator uh, in his first in, in the first year that Saban was there. It was the it was recruiting coordinator throughout his time at Alabama and and in his and wide receivers coach uh, as well. And you just think about some of the names he recruited, and Mark Ingram is one of them, the former uh, Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, so that's you know that's just to give you a quick example of what he's done on the recruiting front. And when I spoke with a different, I spoke with a number of few, a number of people that know him uh, pretty well, including former NC State coach Chuck Amato. Uh, and of course, it was there that you know Philip Rivers was at NC State. Uh, but, you know, I also talked to him and he said, you know, Signetti was someone who helped recruit Russell Wilson as well. Wow. Uh, so, mm -hmm. so, I mean, his, his recruiting speaks for itself and he's got ties all across the mid-Atlantic. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. that's recruiting out of Virginia, too. I mean, Russell Wilson is a Richmond product. So that's that really does benefit you well at JMU now, you know, having ties in the middle of Virginia. Right, exactly. And I know you mentioned Roethlisberger. That was actually... Uh, Shane Montgomery, who Signetti just hired as his offensive coach. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. Oh, I, I just want to make sure we had that clear that, uh, yeah, that was Montgomery. That's why we have you here to make it clear. <laughs> <laughs> That's my job. That's my job. <laughs> when I, I think it's it's a, it's it's a hire that that comes with uh, with co comes with some familiarity for James Madison fans because Montgomery was also the offensive coordinator at Youngstown State when JMU beat them in a national championship a couple of years ago. Uh, and, and Montgomery has had coaching experience as well from his time at Miami of Ohio. Uh, before that, he was an OC there. And, and at that time, that's when Roethlisberger was an All-American at the school. Uh, so his staff, his staff, he's starting to put together. He has eight of the 10 assistant coaching spots filled to this point as we talk on New Year's Eve day. Uh, so you think about some of the people he's, he's bringing in. He's brought in five or five assistants have followed him from Elon. He's brought the defensive coordinator from Maine. Uh, as well as another assistant defensive coach for Maine. So he's putting together a staff that has strong ties in the CAA, very good recruiting throughout the Mid-Atlantic. Uh, it seems like he's set him, setting himself up for uh, success at JMU. So you mentioned uh, the offensive coordinator, Montgomery. Uh, what are we looking at here with him running the offense in terms of like schemes and that kind of stuff? Yeah, my, my take would be that that JMU is going to be 
kind of run first. If, if you think about Elon, and, and let's not make a mistake because Signetti's an offensive guy also. Uh, he's, he's been he's been an offensive guy, an offensive assistant throughout his career before his time as a head coach. Uh, because of that, I think you'll see a lot of Signetti influence on it. And it, it may be some some similar stuff to what they did at Elon the past couple of years. So think, you know, quarterback run pass option, uh, some zone read stuff as well, uh, and an emphasis on the running game. And what, what Signetti told me uh, within the first few days of his hire is that they were going to like look to to kind of beef up the running game a bit. You think JMU the past couple of seasons they've had older veteran running backs, uh, especially this past season with Marcus Marshall, Card Johnson, Trey Sharp, three seniors. Uh, he said he wants more. He said he wants more running backs uh, to his availability. And you think to me, I could. It, it's hard. It's pretty easy to make the connection. You think back to his time at Alabama, and you think about all the running backs Nick Saban and company rolled in and out. Uh, throughout that first national championship year when they won it, uh, when, when Signetti was on staff and Alabama won it the first time, it wasn't just Mark Ingram. It was, you know, a bunch of different running backs there at Alabama that could contribute. And he wants, you know, more than two uh, than what they would have had coming back. If you think uh, if you think about what, what JMU has coming back, Percy Ajay Obisay, uh, and then Juwan Hamilton, the Central Florida transfer, uh, in addition to the two signees uh, in – uh, out of Richmond, you got C.J. Jackson, and then out of Mount Vernon, Atlanta, uh, you've got Austin Douglas. So they have four running backs that will be on scholarship on the team this coming fall. Uh, I think you could see maybe one or two more running backs added uh, to JMU's roster uh, before before the Dukes hit training camp come August. So I think that's one area you'll see a pretty good emphasis on a downhill running game, and I think that'll be an important part of the offense. As Signetti probably will look to take a little bit pressure off the quarterback uh, maybe whereas Jamie's offense the past couple of years, though, it scored plenty uh, in 2016, 2017, might have taken a step back just because Brian Shore had graduated and there wasn't that that kind of natural flow that all offenses need as Ben DiNucci was kind of learning how things to, how things would work in his first year with the program after transferring from Pitt. I think Signetti will look to take some pressure off the quarterback uh, by having a, a strong running game. So one thing that came up a lot when they were having to search across the fan base really was, well, we just don't want to hire another coach that just leaves in three years. And within that, I guess I'm asking what brought him to JMU? Why, why this move to JMU? I, I, I would think it's a step up within one double a or FCS, but it's not, you know, a step up to the next level. Is that his goal to go up to the next level? level or do you think this is a guy that can come to JMU win and be content with that and stay for a while that's hard to say just because you never know what jobs are going to open yeah you try to lure him away I, I think I think to an extent he would probably be happy at JMU he told me it was going to be the first school that's had the resources that he wants at his disposal uh you think about his uh, you think about his stay at Elon Elon was probably about the worst term in terms of the CA, in terms of resources and money spent on football, maybe them or Rhode Island. I uh, would kind of put them in the same grouping. And then he also said Indiana University, Pennsylvania, the resources there were kind of middle of the pack for Division Two. So for me, I don't know. I, I, yeah, he signed a six-year deal. The buyouts are bigger than it, what it was for, for Mike Houston in the contract. So for me, it, it's just hard to say because – 
you never know. You never know who comes calling. You know, say if I'll uh, say if NC State they move on or uh, the coach there now gets a gets a gets a school that is bigger and better. If NC State has a great year, who's to say he's not going to go back there? Or uh, say you know just say any big, big Power Five program has a vacancy and they want to interview Kurt Signetti, it's it'd probably be naive to think he wouldn't at least take yeah. an interview. Uh, you know how coaches are yeah. after this year and how public uh, the Mike Houston stuff played out. It, it, it'd kind of be naive to say he's here to stay. Uh, I, I think I know how coaches go. And I've seen this story a lot of times. I think a lot of the JMU fan base hasn't paid attention to how this goes before. I, I mean, just seeing comments since uh, Thanksgiving time uh, when uh, Houston was going out the door, I, I think a lot of the fans, this was a wake-up call for them. So I think actually hearing you say that might – hopefully help a lot of our listeners understand that like JMU is a, is a stepping stone, no matter, even at its best, it's a stepping stone. So, yeah, I I would say this, it probably is the best job in FCS. It probably is the top job in FCS and probably is better than most group of five jobs. Uh, If you think Sunbelt, USA, it's probably Uh. better than jobs. (laughs) <laughs> you're listening. You're probably talking to two guys that aren't going to agree with that, but that's fine. <laughs> in terms of pure resources, Jamie sure. spends more money than a lot of those schools do on football. And I'm not saying a coach takes that into account completely, but in terms of resources, I would say JMU has probably one of the more attractive jobs from mid-major, whether it's F- top-tier FCS or lower-level group of, group of five schools. I'm not. I'm not going to say it's better than any AAC job. I'm not going to say it's better. Than any Mountain West job, but I would say there are some Sun Belt schools and some CUSA schools that there there are coaches that would rather work at JMU. I, I would I would say that, and I probably okay. agree with it just because of what I know is there in terms of infrastructure and yeah. okay. things are run. So I do think it's a good job, but there are better jobs. I mean, the, the only the only school that probably is going to say there's no better jobs at you're probably looking at Alabama, maybe Texas, Florida. State, State and Ohio State, maybe Notre Dame, but even that I would say is not there yet, uh, not there anymore. I, you, you guys yeah. know how it is, the fucking order. It's Alabama and everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we're gonna get you out of here. We appreciate all the insight into the JMU coaching job, and I think I, I knew more than I knew before. So uh, that'll be good for our listeners. I do want to know: Did you have you come up with any new uh, any new uh, binge watching over the holidays? Any any time to sit down in front of a Netflix or a box set? You know, honestly, it's been a crazy Christmas holiday break because uh, the, the, my, my girlfriend and I were both from New Jersey. So uh, you go up there and it's you're just, from New well, Jersey. You can't tell. You can't tell. <laughs> I'm joking. You know, uh, but uh, but you, you just do all the different family stuff. It was like the movie, you know, Four Christmases, five, whatever it is. Uh, it's kind of like that where you're visiting everybody and anybody. Uh, so not much time to watch. TV. I will watch some football this afternoon and evening, uh, and then tomorrow, of course, on New Year's Day, watch the Rose Bowl. Uh, but other than that, no, you, you know, no good binge watching. I'm sure that'll come though in the next couple months when when football slows down a bit. Good. Well, I hope we can get you back on and at least hear about your binge watching in the spring. <laughs> sounds sounds good, guys. <laughs> I really appreciate you having me on and and being flexible with me as far as the timeline goes. I appreciate oh, you. you're no good, problem. man. Well, we appreciate having you, uh, Joe and I both, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you again. All right, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thank you.
All right, Joe, time for the D block. A little change this week with the year ending. Instead of talking about what's dominating our life or what we know that you need to know, let's talk about our top three moments uh, sports this past year. More than just what we've been on the podcast, we'll go full calendar year and uh, and somewhat, at least somewhat local. So what is uh, what is one of your top three? Oh, all mine are very local. Um, they One is just pro, but... We'll start off with my first one, which is getting to see Mac McClung yeah. uh, up close and personal for the third out of his four years in high school uh, as a member of the Gate City Blue Devils. I know it didn't end the way Ari Lee had hoped, but man, that was the matchup that we had been wanting all year long in that state championship when we got it. Um, we had seen them the year before in 2017 in a state quarterfinal uh, at JMU that went into double overtime, I believe. Uh, if not single overtime, it went into at least one, I think maybe two, but that's yeah. not. Important. Sounds right. Sounds like twice. Yeah. Yeah. I think it did go into two overtimes, but that's not the important part. The point is it was a great game. And I got to see him his freshman year when he played against Martinsville uh, and Holland was the big guy for Martinsville that year. And he's at Radford now tearing it up. And now Mac McClung is at Georgetown. He's averaging 25 minutes a game and 12 points per game in his freshman year at Georgetown. He scored 38 reviewing. the other night. It was yeah, awesome. he is. He is playing amazing. I said, and I was wrong, I said right after we covered the state championship last year, I said, I mean, he's good. He's a good player. I just thought, you know, going to Georgetown was a little high for him. You know, hopefully in his career he gets to have some meaningful time there. Um, That was kind of my thoughts. He has started every single game as a freshman. I was wrong. He's just – maybe it's a credit to what Lee has. Like, I just thought, you know, he's better. He was was the best player on the court in that game. He was. And – but I didn't think it was by enough separation that proved that he was going to be some great Georgetown player. He is. He, he is great. He's playing well, and there's no reason to think he's going to do any different. And yeah. congratulations to him. He's yeah. defying the odds. And and he gets a lot of attention. This, I'm going to skate on a ridge here. Uh, he, he skates on a ridge, and it's always about you know the white boy Duncan. He's he's playing, and, and he's been doing it for years now. It's not just something he's doing at Georgetown. He's been doing a lot more before he got there. So – you got to credit him defying the odds. And there's been a lot of people that looked at him and said, well, he's not going to be able to play at this level. And I was one of them. And um, I don't, I know that race wasn't part of it for me, but good for him to overcome, you know, the doubters and he's, he's performing and it's great. Okay. We'll just leave it there. Keep going. Nope. (laughs) Don't want to touch that. Um, My number two moment um, I know the rule is that you can't talk about it or you can't bring it up because you're not in favor of the 16 team playoff. And we made that rule on Twitter with our chief listener. Well, one of our chief listeners, Jeff Wright, but He's UMBC a, beating UVA, yes. <laughs> UMBC beating UVA, uh, one of my top three moments in local sports. Uh, again, not the local fans are going to hate me for my first two <laughs> because it involves two of their teams losing. But that being said, <laughs> it doesn't take away from the, the majesty of the event. Um, the game at the Seagull Center ended up getting out of hand there, but it was a big-time matchup, and Ari Lee still had a lot to be proud of with that team. Uh, and for UVA, um, apparently that loss doesn't define their season, even though to me it will. The funny thing is the year before – I would have looked at that Gate City game as the big moment for me and you watching sports together. Cause yes, that was that was a very exciting game. That or the Dan River game, which was yeah. the one right after that. Us covering those games at JMU were for me and you together covering it was awesome. 
But this year, we had a lot of good moments covering games, a lot of you know big plays, a lot of big moments. Yeah, we were together for that UVA uh, tournament game. We were standing in my living room, and we were keeping my entire house up, uh, pregnant wife, two kids under five, uh, both all of them up because it was awesome. And it was, that was a big national sports moment. It wasn't just the fact that it was UVA losing. It was a big national moment. There was a lot of people cheering for the the upset there. But it is nice because it's our rival and it is local and we have to go to Walmart with all these people that cheer for them. And it was <laughs> nice to have that upper hand for a couple months. It was good. Their basketball team is good. That's why it meant that much more. If they were some bad basketball program and they had some terrible coach, then we it wouldn't feel as good. But it was awesome to see Again, it Again, them losing that game brought me more joy than if Virginia Tech had won against Wisconsin. I hate saying that, but I agreed with you that night and I agree with you still. If, if Virginia Tech could have gone on and won another game or two, I yeah, Virginia still Tech is the Sweet true. Sixteen or Final Four. Maybe yeah. I changed my tune, but but that single round, yeah, I'll take us losing. And it wasn't Wisconsin; it was Bama. Uh, but oh, whatever. That's right. Wisconsin that. was the year before. I get them all. Yeah, I'll, I will take that. If it met, if we had to lose that game for UVA to lose their game too, I'd trade that every day because yeah. it was awesome. And I, it was a moment. We won't repeat that moment because it was awesome. And uh, my number three is the Washington Capitals. Um, Proving me wrong. I had zero hope with them ever winning a championship. I didn't think the Washington teams were ever going to bring a championship ever again uh, in my lifetime. And then the Washington Capitals did it. They beat the Penguins of all teams in the path to that, which made it even better. Um, And it was great. It was great. I watched it with my brother. Uh, It was a very happy moment. Uh, seeing the Washington Capitals win their first Stanley Cup in franchise history and to see Ovechkin win was meant a lot too. I, I loved his parade comments. That's probably the yes. highlight for me. <laughs> we will stay away from that phrase too. But uh, it was good. It was uh, it was fun to see the local fans, the local pro fans, happy about something, not just making excuses or uh, being disappointed, being negative. Uh, so it was good. Yeah, it's my default. But yeah, what are your top three? <laughs> I know that's what you're bred in it. So uh, I get it. All right, my three moments. I'm going to probably go from bottom up on my list. Uh, Marshall went in that opening round playoff game last year. I I was really into it. I was into watching uh, what Darius George and the Marshall Thundering Herd were doing down the stretch of the season. Um, he was having his freshman season. He was contributing a lot. He contributed a lot in that tournament game. Really happy to see the local product performing so well and uh, them get that big win against Wichita State. And uh, I didn't have it picked, and I felt like I, I, I really debated it, and, and I didn't, and I wish I would have because they won it. It was awesome. And the buzz around town about that was really cool, and seeing it on Twitter and Facebook and talking to people just in those couple of days, just those two days there uh, where they had won and they were facing the next game on, I guess it was Sunday or Saturday or Sunday. It was awesome. I thought that was really cool for the, the local basketball talent to have success at the next level. And we haven't seen a whole lot of that from this area. We've seen a lot of guys go, especially from Lee, go play good places. But to get that big win freshman year, very cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And, uh, you know, it's always good to see, like you said, it's good to see uh, players from our area succeeding at the next level. Yeah, and Darius, he was a freshman when I started covering basketball for WTON. So I 
I just had really watched him all the way through. So uh, it was really cool, really cool to watch. Uh, the uh, the next big thing, and I got a lot of buzz in the area last spring, is probably the biggest story of the spring last year, despite what I'll talk about in my next topic. But Lee Boys Soccer were absolutely dominant last year. And uh, it was early in the season because I have a relative on the team. Uh, that I was interested in and what they were doing and then realizing they really hadn't let anybody score. Um, and they went half the season without letting anybody score. Then they only gave up one goal up until their final game. I mean, they it was like 150 to one or something close to that. It was amazing the run that they went on. But it was cool following that. And as the season progressed, the more and more attention in every single game, I think it started with me tweeting it. And then there was a bunch of other people tweeting at Patrick later in the season. And then by the end of the season, I was just one of, you know, a hundred tweets at Patrick Height about what the soccer team did and what's their record now. And have they still not given up a goal? It was awesome. It was, it was cool to see the excitement from the area from a wider base than what we're used to seeing. Uh, it was very cool. And um, it, it was fun. And I, and they're, they're bringing back everybody. Uh, that's going to be a story to watch going into this season because they really bring back their, the most everybody on their soccer team. So it'll be fun to watch again. But Lee's soccer, one of the biggest stories of the year from high school sports in the area. Yeah, uh, I do remember you talking about it because I was kind of surprised that you were talking about soccer. Um, I didn't think that was something I was ever going to get to see. So it was exciting to, for me, to, even if it's high school soccer, to see you talking about soccer. It was really hard not to include, even though this is local, it was really hard not to include Liverpool uh, uh, somewhere in my top three moments of 2018 because they're top of the table right now. At the end of 2018, they've looked great. But to to go back to your main story and not steal Ari Lee's thunder, um, their their soccer team was really good. Uh, I was I remember being surprised that they lost to George Mason uh, when they did in the playoffs because yeah, I thought they, they had would, beat them. And then yeah, they, and, and they I thought they were going all the way. I, I really did feel like a team of destiny there. But I know they're they've got their sights set on it again this year, and they're looking yeah. to be a very successful team in the spring again. And uh, I might I might go out there with you and watch some soccer games if I get the chance we'll this there. spring. I'll I'll bring a couple blonde girls and a and a baby boy. We're gonna watch them at halftime. There's a fun, a really cool halftime entertainment that my family gets involved with uh, when we go there. So you have to come when we're there. It's good. Okay. <laughs> All right. So my number one story from this year, and I'm not gonna single it down to one sport. It's something that we've talked about probably four different times on our podcast just these last uh, four or five months is Riverheads has had a heck of a year athletically. In the sp- in last winter, their basketball team went to the quarterfinals. Their wrestling had guys deep, which is normal for the wrestling. In the spring, they had baseball state champions, soccer state semifinalists, softball state semifinalists, girls tennis, region titles, and state appearances, which doesn't always happen for them in tennis. And then in the fall, volleyball state runner-up and football state champion. And this is all after a year where they had a football state championship previously. They are just dominating in sports. And I, I'm going to give credit to the other local schools. It's not just a football discussion. It's a, across the board. I just listed off a bunch of sports. They're having success because the competition in this area is so tough. Those 2A teams and some 3A teams are pushing Riverheads to play at that level so they can win during the regular season. And now some people like to discredit Riverheads that, hey, well, there's, they just go down and play in single A, and so it's easy for them. But they are a small school. They've had to raise their level of play, and they are winning at the local with their local matchups. So it's not that they're just getting beat by local matchups and then going and winning. They're winning against Wilson and Draft and Gap and Lee and 
a lot of good teams, East Rock, you know, they're, they're having success at the district level and then continuing it into the, the playoffs. So I just wanted to kind of call them out as an overall athletic department doing very well. And, and it's easy just to look at that football team and say that they're all, oh, they're good, but look at all these other sports that had success all the way to the state level last year and, and really looked well doing it. And I mean, two state championship teams, another state runner up. Um, and a couple of these teams we named, I named weren't necessarily assumed to go that far, like particularly softball or basketball last year, but still they got there, did it. You got to congratulate those. And it's a little bit of Homer there. I'll admit that I'm a, I'm a Riverheads guy. So it's easy to say, but when you guys see what, you know, we looked at the news leader list before it came out, um, talking with Patrick Height, there's a lot of Riverheads on there too. And they, they bring up some of this. So it's, it's gonna, it's not just us that are noticing. It's not just me and my Homer pick noticing it, that, that they were really strong in sports this year. So you got to congratulate you know, that, that school athletically. Yeah. Success breeds success. And I think that's what you're seeing at Riverheads. Um, they've got a lot of successful programs there. I do. I am one of the people that thinks playing two a and three a teams all year. And as you mentioned, it puts them at a certain level and that helps them. And that's just part of the game. I mean, that's what it is. It is what it is. But I do think going down then to one a where the talent level is not that good, um, compared to not compared to two and three a, um, I do think that they are a beneficiary of that, but Hey, that's the system. That's what it is, what it is. And Riverheads takes advantage of that. They are a small school. That's what you can't ignore too. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm not not arguing that. Yeah. They're, they are a legit one, a school. I'm not saying they should be forced to move up because that would break the rules of the system that is in place. But I'm saying, I, I do think playing at that level and it's a discussion you and I have uh, on WTON every year when the football schedules come out in Waynesboro. We're like, well, what are they doing playing some of these teams? Well, they're playing some of those teams because in years past, when you play those teams, it those are good enough teams to get you into a playoff and then prepare you for what you're going to see in a playoff. Yeah, and it's just you got to win some of them is the problem. <laughs> oh, this year was been, a problem, yeah. And Riverheads has been doing that. They win at the district level. Waynesboro... They had a little stretch there where they're winning just enough of those to get them there. This year was the bigger problem for them. But um, that kind of hints on, you know, something we're going to look out forward. That's the second half of this conversation and maybe not half. But uh, the last little bit of this conversation is looking forward. The stories moving forward and probably one of the biggest in 2019 is what the district shakeup is going to produce. And, uh, you know, Shenandoah district is majorly changing. All the northern teams are going away. Fort Defiance coming in. And that's going to be the core district is six of the seven Augusta County Stanton teams um, are all going to be in the same district. So every single night it's going to be backyard brawls. Waynesboro had their opportunity to come in. They stayed out. So what does that mean for them staying out? Also, I think a minor story there, Wilson going up to 3A from 2A. Um, that's, I, you know, maybe maybe they'll have the opposite. They'll maybe look good in 2A and then run into a wall at the 3A playoffs. You never know. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how that is addressed in 2019 and what we're talking about a year from now on uh, the, after seeing the fall season go through. Yeah, I, I know you and I debated on whether to put this into our 2018 <clears throat> stories or not. And I, I ended up making the decision not to because I view it as more of a 2019 story. Right now it is speculation. Um, I will say I, I on the 2018 side, I was really surprised to see Waynesboro not join the rest of the schools in the area in a district. I thought that would have made a lot of sense, but, you know, whatever. Um, what's done is done there. Uh, another story that we didn't bring up, 
that's going to be a big factor in 2019. What does Ari Lee do? What does life after Jerome look like for Ari Lee football? Um, yeah, we don't he know. really built him up. He, he took him from a spot and increased it. No matter how you look at it, you can say he came into a good program that had been getting uh, into the playoffs every year. Yes, that's true. He took him to levels they had never been before. So where does the next person pick up? And there's been a lot of names swirling around that job, names that are already on the staff, names that have previously been on the staff, um, or is it an outside hire? It'll be interesting. Um, Tibbs is the athletic director there, so he's going to have a lot to say on it, and he's he's one of those names that people keep wondering about. It, it'll be interesting. I, something that we kind of let happen on our show a couple weeks ago is Patrick Height talking about the relationship between Jarelmo and Tibbs and, you know, what that played into him leaving. I don't know anything concrete there. Uh, Patrick yeah. brought it up. But it's interesting that now with the void open, Tibbs is going to have a lot to say on how that gets filled. So it's going to be very interesting to watch in 2019 and then watch it, watch the production of that. Well, and that's his job. I mean, that's his job. So he's going to make the hire. He's going to hire the person that he thinks is going to put Ari Lee in the best position to continue the success and build on it. And that's fine. That's his job. It's what he's going to do. And I'm sure he's going to make the decision that he feels is best. So we'll just have to see if that works out. I mean, and not, not every hire is a good hire, and we'll see if this one's a good hire. Jeroma was a good hire. Jeroma was a great hire. That was a great yeah. hire. Yeah, a slam dunk of a hire. Um, I think Mickens has been a great hire at Ari Lee Basketball. I think he has done a lot for that team. Um, and, he and that took was over. definitely a hire. Yeah, that was not. a hire out of necessity uh, more than desire, yeah. maybe. But um, but he stayed it ended up what, being a good the, hire. The mindset that's going to work. Like yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. was a it was a it's not broken situation. So. Mm-hmm. And Mickens has done great, and he took him as far as he could get him last year. Gate City was better than them in that yeah, final. Yeah, Gate City was better. And look, he maximized what they, they won did, a so. state championship the year before with Mickens um, with a really good team. So uh, I, I think this year they just ran into a team that was better. But that's that's a different story. Uh, and I think Mickens is going to be a very good coach at R.A. Lee for as long as they'll have him. Which I hope is a long time. Yep, I do too. Um, other, school, other stories that we didn't mention um, – Gap Girls making a state championship game run. They ended up falling just short to Central Wise. Uh, they had a very successful season. And then uh, just, I, I guess that's the last local story that we have. So that is the local stories. All right, Leland, before we go, I do want to put out, uh, it's New Year's Eve. I don't know if you have any, but I do have a New Year's resolution show specific well, life, ooh, ooh. life in general, but very show specific as well. Uh, to be more positive, we're going to be more positive <laughs> in 2019. The Ravens uh, had a p- taste of positivity. The Caps gave me some positivity, and I liked it. Um, so you know what? In, ter- in terms of the positive goals, um, no matter who Justin Fuente picks, let's see how it goes, and hopefully we win eight games. Um, the Orioles, let's see if we can just not lose a hundred and <laughs> for the capitals, you know, let's, let's uh, make another deep playoff run. If we win another Stanley cup. Great. If not, we still got the one and your, um, your Orioles one in specific just really reminds me of the office. Like what are your, your uh, biggest weaknesses? And he's, and he like lists off, like I care too much. I'm yeah. too devoted. He's like, but actually my weaknesses are my strengths. Like that really reminds me of what you're doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> let's just, you know, not win, not lose a hundred. Let's you know? <laughs> just not lose a hundred. Let's, let's make that the goal. And you know what? Even if we lose a hundred, 
It's not as bad as we were last year. That's the thing. Just don't be as bad as we were last year. Just show improvement. Let's see the young guys. Let's see what they've got. I uh, have a lot of hope in the future with Mike Elias running the show there. Uh, and hopefully 2019 will not put me to a test too early uh, in my goals, but more positive in 2019. My uh, Mine is not anything to do with the show. Uh, I don't even think it'll impact the show. Good. Mine is to not hit the snooze alarm, just to get oh, up. wow. Set the alarm and get up. That's probably a good one for me, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, it's well, been a good year. It's yeah. Been a good year. Well, uh, folks, we do ask that you please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. It has been another great year for the Xports Podcast, our first year, and we thank you for listening. Hopefully... Yeah. You will yeah, uh, continue. You, you got to listen. It was talked about at my Christmas dinner. Uh, I mean, you got probably more praise at my Christmas dinner than than I did. Uh, and we had right. multiple listeners at my Christmas dinner. Um, but uh, yeah, if the thing is, if you're listening right now, tell your family about our show. I discovered during my Christmas dinner, I have a target audience member not listening to our podcast. Yeah. So that might be my uh, my show related one is to get to get my brother-in-law to listen to the show. My that other brother-in-law. One of them listens. The other one doesn't. My favorite brother-in-law does listen. My least favorite brother-in-law That's doesn't. That's why so. he's our favorite. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you had a lot of smart people at your Christmas dinner, too. You know, I, I guess we do. <laughs> Honestly, we're not even being smart about it. I think, I, I think we do, actually. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, you know, I think it was my mom that said my favorite comment was, you know, we're talking about the show and there's really not been any compliments about me. And my mom goes, well, that Joe, he has such a, such a personality. He does really good. I was like, well, thanks, Mom. <laughs> yeah, your mom is really smart. She's a very smart lady. I got her an easier way to listen to our podcast. She's been listening in the car with the phone like laying on her for the podcast. I got her a Bluetooth so she can oh, listen properly. Good. Much yeah. safer, too. Yeah, it'll be good. I just got to hook it up now. Now I got to be a good son and hook it up. So Yeah. Well, speaking of ways <laughs> to listen to us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Yak Sports Pod. Uh, we're also on Podbean. You can listen to us there. We post the links on Twitter and Facebook. Or you can follow us on Apple Podcasts. I believe we're on Spotify as well. Maybe even Google Play, right? We are on all three. All right. So there you have it. Uh, there are a lot of ways to find us. You can also stay in touch with us. Please comment on Twitter. Tell me how right I am or how right Leland is. Uh, if you think I'm wrong, uh, I expect Jeff Wright will complain about our some of our top stories in 2018 and that's fine uh hopefully rob and ron is ha happy with the positive <laughs> orioles outlook and, um, his his name might just be rob ron now um so rob ron. so that's fine uh but of course we thank all of our listeners and please interact with us on facebook and twitter so we can you know talk more directly with you the fans uh, we do this for fun and we also enjoy engaging fans in local sports as well yeah, stay safe this weekend uh, and uh, on into the new year and uh, be back. You, you got to stay alive to listen to us. That's, that's, that's true. my comment. Yeah, and we'll be <laughs> back tw in 2019. Sorry for the long episode, but let's be honest, uh, it had been a while. So hope you enjoyed it. And until next week, good night. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.